This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Some weeks back on the program, we were talking to our pal Donna Abadoni from Capital Public Radio. Donna was talking about how you can transform your life, and she's written a book about it called Transformation. If you didn't hear it in the first go-around, you can find it on our website at radioparallax.com. And by the way, you can hear Radio Parallax wherever you get your podcasts. At least most of them, we're pretty sure. We know we're on iTunes. But you can definitely stream it off our site at any rate, which is radioparallax.com. But Donna mentioned at one point that it'd be a good idea to sit down and list who your heroes are. So in the following week's program, we, we took a stab at that, and, and I believe that the only living person that I mentioned who might qualify as a hero for Radio Parallax would be Tony Wheeler, the founder of the Lonely Planet Empire, I guess you'd call it, of guidebooks. For years, we mentioned that we should get Tony Wheeler on this program, and fortunately, dear listener, Today is the day that we do so. In our second segment, we're going to have a lengthy chat with uh, Mr. Wheeler. Thanks to his guidebooks, I got into a lot of adventures I probably would not have stumbled into otherwise. Most of those, I'm pleased to note, turned out well. And uh, really and truly, I'm, I'm enormously pleased and honored to be able to bring Tony Wheeler to you, our loyal listeners. A lot of you may not be familiar with Mr. Wheeler, but you certainly should be, and by the end of the hour today, you will be. We uh, encourage people to travel on this program. It's a hell of a big world out there, and there's a lot to see in it. And the majority of it, by quite a wide margin, is not located within bounds of the United States of America. Not that I'm saying you shouldn't see the USA. You should. There's a lot to see here in this country. But uh, we take great delight in some of the exotic places like Madagascar, Burma, Bolivia, Tanzania, etc. At any rate, please do yourself a favor and stick around for segment two. Tony Wheeler is going to be interesting. By the time you're done with this hour today, if you don't have a passport, I'm hoping that you're going to go out and get one. And in our third segment today, we're going to talk about the upcoming holiday, which takes place day after tomorrow. That would be Valentine's Day. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, and let's start off today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date today is the 12th of February, that month with two R's. On February 12th in 1804, the German philosopher Immanuel Kant, one of the Enlightenment's foremost thinkers, died in Königsberg, Prussia. That town, I believe, is known to this day as Kaliningrad, and is surrounded by a sliver of Russia on the Baltic, one of those territorial swaps dating back to World War II that's um, kind of fell victim of the fact that uh, a lot of the states between it and Russia proper became independent. So I guess the one-time city of Konigsberg is today Russia's equivalent of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. On February 12, 1924, the American composer George Gershwin, age 26, debuted his revolutionary work, Rhapsody in Blue which was written in such haste that he had to improvise much of the piano solo at its premiere in New York City. It's a hell of a piece of music, and hopefully we'll use it for our bumper music. Mr. McMillan, what do you say? I say yes. Good. 
And finally, on February 12th, since we're pressed for time today, in 1999, after a five-week impeachment trial, the U.S. Senate acquitted William Jefferson Clinton on charges of perjury and obstruction of justice related to his extramarital affair. It was surely one of the more ridiculous episodes in recent American history. And prompted Arnold Schwarzenegger, to his credit, to note that the whole thing left him embarrassed to be a Republican. Our quote today comes from the Bible, specifically Ezekiel 25:17, which is the quote that Samuel L. Jackson cites in Pulp Fiction before he winds up plugging whoever's on the wrong end of the barrel. Despite what Quentin Tarantino portrayed on the screen, according to the New American Bible, St. Joseph edition from the Radio Parallax Reference Library, the actual quote from Ezekiel 25:17 is, I will execute great acts of vengeance on them, punishing them furiously. Thus, they shall know that I am the Lord when I wreak my vengeance on them. You can sort of see why Tarantino's spiffed it up a bit. Of course, I'm wondering if the New American Bible people shouldn't do likewise, since this is supposed to be the God of love. Yeah, they shall know I'm the Lord when I wreak my vengeance on them. Nice. And our quip of the day in celebration of Oscar time comes from James Agee, commenting on the film Tycoon. Said Agee, several tons of dynamite are set off in this picture, none of it under the right people. Our joke of the day, speaking of Bill Clinton, is as follows. Al Gore and Bill Clinton were discussing premarital sex one day over lunch. This was back in the 90s. Gore said, Mr. President, I never slept with my wife before we were married. Did you? Clinton replied, Well, I don't know, Al. What was Tipper's maiden name? Our anecdote of the week is as follows. Apparently, um, disgraced cycling champion Lance Armstrong hit two parked cars on his way home from a party in Aspen, but then let his girlfriend take the blame, according to police. Girlfriend Anna Hansen initially told police she was behind the wheel for the December 28th incident, but later admitted to police that she lied about being the driver to protect Armstrong from negative publicity. I'm not sure that worked out too well. We've seen lots of headlines now saying, well, Armstrong lied again. Our good news of the week is a stat, but we're going to use it for good news instead. It is that 91% of Democrats, 78% of independents, and even 51% of Republicans think the government should be fighting climate change. That's according to the New York Times slash Stanford University. Our stat of the day isn't such good news. It is, according to Vox.com, that one in four Americans agrees with the statement that God plays a role in determining which team wins a sporting event. That's according to a poll by the Public Religion Research Institute. And on that note, we better jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week, according to The Week magazine, for second acts after reclusive author Harper Lee, well, actually Harper Lee's lawyer, announced that she was going to publish a long-awaited sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, which will be her first novel in more than 50 years. This story has a great, a great deal of controversy attached to it, uh, perhaps not the least of which is of the fact that people actually doubt whether Harper Lee wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, 
It's, 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 a, it's a matter of dispute. This is a weird story. Apparently the book that's been lost for these five decades was the original book about Atticus Finch and his daughter Scout. And um, To Kill a Mockingbird was written later when someone decided supposedly that the flashback sequences were so intriguing. We're not buying this. And uh, hopefully we can bring someone more qualified to talk about this. Dr. Andy Jones, are you listening? What's the deal? Anyway, hopefully Dr. Andy or someone will come and help us uh, resolve this mystery. And it was, on the other hand, a bad week for customer relations. When Ricardo Brown of Spokane, Washington, opened his Comcast cable bill, he found that his name was now listed as A-Hole Brown. I'm, I'm leaving out a couple of letters. Evidently, Ricardo Brown and his wife had recently canceled their service, and the company's retention specialist was apparently angry that he couldn't persuade them to stay on. The company says the responsible employee, quote, will no longer be working on behalf of Comcast, end quote. Yes, apparently the representative was no more persuasive with Comcast than he was with Ricardo Brown. And it was surely an ugly week last week for Argentina with the news that murdered prosecutor Alberto Nisman, and that's what, that's what people are calling it now, murdered, had drafted arrest warrants for Argentina's president and foreign minister. This is coming from the official investigating his death. Nisman was found shot dead in his apartment last month, just hours before he was due to testify to Congress, and alleged that President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner and foreign minister Hector Timmerman had offered immunity to Iranian officials who organized the deadly 1994 bombing of a Buenos Aires Jewish center. That would be in exchange for trade perks. The draft warrants, which weren't included in the dossier he sent to Congress, were later found in his trash. The case against Kirchner and Timmerman, who deny Nisman's allegations, is being called a political hot potato in Argentina, and two judges have already refused to hear it. You know, we hate to bag on Argentina, but don't you wish that that place would have some good news coming out of it once in a while? And no, my attitude has nothing to do with the fact that I did get pickpocketed in Buenos Aires. I was, sad to note, also pickpocketed in Rio de Janeiro. South America is a great place to visit, but uh, if you're going to run into street crime, that's a good place to do it. Even Tony Wheeler apparently had some trouble, which I think he'll tell you about in the next segment. All right, from the disgusting file, we have the news, according to at least USA Today, that American Sniper now has the Oscars in its crosshairs. According to USA Today, after racking up nearly a quarter of a billion dollars at the box office, Director Clint Eastwood's drama about real-life military marksman Chris Kyle has become the wild card in this year's awards races and a possible front-runner spoiler. My question is, why isn't uh, American Sniper a front-runner in the Razzie Awards, which we will also try to cover later in the month as Oscar time gets closer? And by the way, the opinion that the Razzies are in many respects superior to the Oscars, like all opinions heard on this program does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And I'm reminded of the fact that I did misspeak slightly on last week's program. In speaking hurriedly, I mistakenly used the term lactose to refer to the enzyme that people need to digest milk sugar. It is, of course, the milk sugar itself that is called lactose. In fact, anything with os in the name generally means sugar. It's part of that Latin nomenclature thing. That's why it's called fructose, glucose, lactose. 
dextrose, none of which are to be confused with Dugos, which is in fact a mispronunciation of local politician Doug Osi's name. We have observed Mr. Osi to have a marked lack of sweetness. Many years ago, when I was soliciting guests for this program, I did put a radio parallax card in the hands of Mr. Osi. He looked down upon it with an expression on his face, which I think would have been more appropriate if I'd placed a small dog turd in his palm, which, unfortunately, I've never had the opportunity to do. But you never know. The future does stretch out before us. But at any rate, lactase was the correct term. And when you see ASE at the end of a word, which you will a jillion times if you get around to taking any biochemistry, you will note that ACE refers to an enzyme. It's time we take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. And when we come back, we're going to speak with a man who influenced an entire generation or two of world travelers. This correspondent included Mr. Tony Wheeler. Stay tuned for that. 